Welcome to Lift Your Legacy. My name is Jacob Rupp, father, husband, and rabbi. And each week, we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you unlock your inner potential and create change that will impact the future. Thank you for listening, and let's get to it. I'm thrilled to have on today Emily Ransone. She is a business coach. She is the founder of multiple companies and also a now published author of the book Growth Junkies Unite. Now, we go deep into Emily's personal journey with how she was able to create a life that she loved, a career that was fascinating and multifaceted, and how does a person really cultivate joy in their life, do a career, to build a career, really, that is Um, embracing all the different components of their personality and how to really thrive in any environment with any background. How do you make that choice to have a life that's wonderful? How, as I called the episode, how do you cultivate optimal joy? Emily, I'm thrilled to have you today. Besides being a phenomenal conversationalist, I think another area where we we, um, kind of overlap in our interests and I'm so excited is that you are someone that has spent, is it an inordinate or a great deal of time in the realm of self-development. And oh my goodness. throughout your entire career, you've been learning more and you actually compiled sort of a um, best of or top hits of what you've learned. Got Tell it. Me about your process. Well, I think uh, process-wise, there's, there's nothing scientific about it. I would say it's all artistry. Um, it's all about... Um, bringing in whatever's coming at you and sorting through it. And I think I've gotten choosier about sifting and sorting as I've gotten older. But, you know, when you're younger, you're just trying to learn. You're in learning mode, right? And so um, I had a hunger for it um, all my life. So this is kind of Wait, let's, I I love your story. And I I feel like we we need to go back a little bit. Walk me through just sort of like the, the highlights of your professional career, if you could. Sure. I think the easiest way to say it is uh, I came up through sales, through this, you know, the sales arms in corporate America, and then uh, was tapped on the shoulder to run a small business, an entrepreneurial business in the Southwest, and loved it. Uh, I loved being uh, in more of an entrepreneurial mindset. And um, it was so much fun that um, I took that experience about three years in and had the opportunity to buy into a much bigger, but still entrepreneurial business. It was an office furniture dealership here in the Bay Area. And um, that was about six years ago now. And about a year in, we really figured out that we needed to kind of figure out a way to bring the three of us partners together and find our way forward. And so we adopted a, um, an operating system, a way of running our business, a way of execution. And we saw such um, amazing benefits to it that I feel like it was getting my MBA on crack. You know, like it's, it's hyperspeed learning in real life. So it's, um, it's massive impact in a very small amount of time. So that helped us see tremendous results very fast. And we did two startups. We self-funded two startups from that. And we're knee deep in the second one right now. So we're taking a standard, outdated business model and morphing it into something new and innovative that, frankly, our real estate industry, we're in the commercial real estate industry just little dovetail there, um, that, that they haven't seen this. So in some ways, it, it's always hard to be first. And yet there's a lot of risk and a lot of fun inherently in that. So we're, we're having a lot of fun right, right now. So share with me again, I love the fact that you're having a lot of fun right now as we're sort of, I don't even know what, what tail of the comment we're on with, with COVID. Oh my God. But, 
talk to me a little bit, if you could, about this MBA on crack and how to sort of rethink sort of an ancient industry. Like, you know, a, a lot of times people feel either disqualified because they don't have enough information or they don't have enough knowledge. I mean, it, and, and also maybe people think I should have this information because I've been working long enough. I mean, again, you came from many years and multiple businesses in corporate America before you sort of realized like, hey, I need some resources to really propel me forward. And it wasn't until you did that, that you really got this big kick. So maybe speak about what leaders need in order to really continually evolve and sort of seek out and build new opportunities for themselves. Yeah, I think the first is to know yourself. And a lot of times that's experiential based. Some of it you, you intuit. Uh, and some of it is truly, you just got to learn through uh, life experiences, whether it's the school of hard knocks or otherwise. Um, you know, I found through my experiences that a smaller entrepreneurial type um, mindset was really a better fit for me. And yet there's so much more resources. So there's pros and cons to everything. I mean, I, I look at you know, my basis of career early on and how much uh, being with a big company, I gained a lot of training and knowledge and resources that I might not have had access to at a smaller entrepreneurial firm. So again, it's know thyself, what are the pluses and minuses and, you know, having a trajectory of where you want to go and being able to know that, have, it, have a North Star, but then also be able to take opportunities as you, as you see them. And I kind of liken it to guiding down a stream you know, if you think about the bends and curves and twists in a stream, you want to go with the flow. You don't want to be paddling backwards because that creates resistance. And all you're going to do is drive yourself crazy. And you're probably going to make more mistakes and you're still probably going to get to the same end result, but it's just going to be a lot more painful. And so, you know, I, I liken that to not having this kit of tools to run a business. The first go round when I was running a business in the Southwest, that was that, that um, first experience. And then in stark contrast, then having a way of effectively running our business. You know, I had to learn from the school of hard knocks from that experience what I didn't want. And so, you know, a lot of this is emotional intelligence. And I talk about that a lot in my book, because in my mind, you don't, you, it's the one thing you don't learn in school, right? They teach you book smarts. They teach you how to, you know, add numbers and you know, make your way through college, but they don't really teach you the life skills in my mind that make you successful in not only your career, but in your, your primary relationships. And in, in my core values, that's really what life is about. That's where I find the most joy is when I'm connected with myself and I know myself really clearly and I'm, I'm in that flow, in that path, and I'm uh, at my you know, optimal joy. Like I literally have a happiness meter and I kind of am always kind of looking at where I am moment by moment, day by day. And I'm, I'm just, I jokingly call myself a hedonist because I'm, I'm constantly chasing, you know, what, what is going to bring that about? What's going to make me uh, not only joyous, but working at my highest self, my best self. And you can't do that, you know, without engaging in emotional intelligence. And that's twofold. It's not just knowing about yourself, but it's also knowing how to read and um, relate well with other people. Because let's face it, you can't go live on an island and, and I mean, well, you can, but you know, not if you're really engaging in, in um, a lot of aspects of life that we know today. So. Well, okay. So we, I, we, I have to unpack a lot of that. If, if, oh boy, if, here if we go. go back a bit. So one, one thing, which is, which is really fascinating. You set up two beautiful paradigms. One is that 
you have to be aware of the evolution to a certain extent. I, I had a conversation with someone yesterday. They said, I said, you know, what's the worst thing if you fail? And they were like, I don't know. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not sure what to do. And I was like, well, don't you think that the failure will indicate sort of a different direction to take? So this idea that you are, you know, in a way it's almost hard to chart out a life path, a life course, because you are learning as you go. That's one paradigm. The other paradigm, as you mentioned, is that you are always able to grow and develop, but then it comes back to like, you mentioned emotional intelligence and knowing yourself, which seemingly is an inward path as opposed to an outward path of looking at your experiences or, or outside knowledge. So maybe kind of help us categorize and prioritize which is more important first and how do you get to know yourself so that you are um, performing at optimal joy levels? Yeah, it's funny because um, I do believe you have to start with yourself. You cannot look externally for validation or um you know uh growth it all has to come from that fire inside and i really believe it starts with some fundamental tenets and one of them that i talk about in my book you know there's kind of three things i talk about in in lump groups one is accountability the second is emotional intelligence the third is servant leadership accountability is really the basis for knowing yourself it's where you start to really um fundamentally um, build trust. Because if you are breaking agreements with yourself, you are out of integrity. You can't have integrity with other people if it doesn't start with yourself, right? So you have to self-assess is what I'm getting at. You asked me the direct question and I'm saying you have to self-assess. And sometimes that's looking inward and asking the right questions. How am I showing up? And being able to look in the mirror and really see yourself clearly. The other way of doing it is also getting external feedback to see how people see you and kind of using the blend of both. So you kind of have to start from there. And I actually talk about what that's like. And some of it is very superficial. Like, you know, if you're showing up late for meetings, that's the number one way at, right out of the start to erode trust. Um, it's not to say accidents don't happen, but you know, if that's your pattern of basis, you're, you're not using the Stephen Covey emotional bank account. You're not investing, you're not making deposits, you're making withdrawals. You 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 took this a very different direction from what I was what I was thinking, which I'm so excited about. Oh boy! <laughs> no, no, I, I love it. I love it. In a certain sense, what I was thinking when you were mentioning emotional intelligence and knowing yourself is to sort of be able to trust yourself. I want to work in a big firm. I want to start my own company. I want to work for somebody else in in, in their small company. You're saying the first step is really getting clear on your accountability. So it's almost like well, who you are, about, okay, who you are first. And that starts with some basic tenets. And the, the first one is accountability. Because again, accountability is the basis of, of everything else in my mind. Um, you, you spring from who you are at your core and, and what you love and are best at when you get to know yourself. And you can't do that if you're not honest with yourself, if you're not trusting of yourself. And that stems from accountability. Do what you say you're gonna do or at least come back and renegotiate the deal. That was how I was raised. That was the, like the, the tenant in our home. And you know, it's the basis of, of building on to that from everywhere else, to everywhere else that you want to go. So you know, there may be some deeper seated things happening too. I mean, we all have both DNA baggage and we have, you know, it's nature and nurture. You know, you're a product of not only your DNA, but your environment. And so we all have, you know, either baggage, head trash, whatever you want to call it. 
And so you, you have to dig deep to work through some of those things. So some of them are superficial. I was kind of starting to highlight that like late to a meeting. And some of it is truly, you may have some of this deeper level stuff that you need to work on. And my point is until you engage in that work, you can't do stuff like really get to um, what your true purpose is. And so in my mind, it's like go, working for a big company or a small company or um, being in a leadership role or being in an individual contributor role, none of that really matters. And you're not really gonna know that in your core until you do a lot of this preliminary work. And that's why I'm such a, I mean, Growth Junkie. That's the title of my bo book is Growth Junkies Unite. It's because that's why I'm, I'm a huge, obviously a growth junkie. Tell me about if you, if, if we could be so personal, could you tell me some of the biggest challenges that you had to work through on the way to becoming your current iteration of yourself? What was like the biggest things that you had to work through? Sure. I think one of them was um, listening. Mm. Um, you know, I talk about when we, when we get into social styles, there's a chapter on um, or excuse me, in the, the chapter on um, emotional intelligence, I talk about social styles and it's a quick self-assessment you can do, takes 10 minutes and it will tell you what your primary pattern is of how you relate to other people and how you communicate. And I find it very useful because you learn about yourself, but you also learn how to communicate well with other people and what your barriers are. And I think because I'm a driver, that's a, that can be such a huge barrier if I'm coming across someone who's an amiable, I can bulldoze them. Um, if I'm dealing with a, a stressful situation, you know, I can go into knee-jerk react mode rather than taking the time to understand their perspective so that we can meet on the same side of the table and both get our needs met. And so from that standpoint, you know, it's like, again, if you don't have the, the, the desire to wanna to start with some of these basic tools of learning about yourself, and using those as the building blocks, then you, you might be paddling upstream rather than getting in the flow of life and going downstream and being at your best and highest self and pursuing your, your passions and career in the, the best way possible. It's gonna just be a harder road is what I'm trying to tell you. What's very interesting is that so many people have trouble, I think, feel like they're paddling upstream. Could be they're paddling upstream in their business or the business is going great, but they're paddling upstream in their personal life or vice versa. And it, it, it's a, what, what I'm hearing from you is essentially looking at your reality and, and potentially seeing it as a choice if things are hard for you. Oh yeah. Tell me How more. are you contributing to this scenario? Okay. And that's accountability, Okay. right? That's taking responsibility for your part in it. Everything in your purview of your life has a direct relation to what you've put into it. Okay. Right? It's um, interesting. I mean, what, what about someone that would just say, but it's, you know, my, my coworker is, is, is lazy or my spouse is, you know, unwilling to grow or, you know, I, there's like a lot of stuff I've got going on right now and it's all kind of coming together. Yeah. I mean, it's easy to externally focus because we, we, it's easier to do that than to work on yourself first. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, there's a lot of um, victim mentality and blame mentality and things like that. And it's, it's easier to do that. Um, if you can start from looking inward, you will be surprised at how much takes care of itself outwardly. Um, I found in many ways, you know, some of the people that um, in time, 
fade away. It's because I've gotten so clear on who I am and what's important to me and what I want in my life that those people just aren't a match anymore. And so the, the energy just doesn't flow there anymore. Um, you know, there are examples where, you know, you have to do things just because, you know, it's, it's, it's life, you know, they're your um, siblings or parents or it's your work situation currently. That doesn't mean that it's your forever, you know? So if you're, if you're working on yourself and growing and evolving, then it basically will lead you again on life's stream, life's path um, in a more natural way that uh, brings about the right people, the right resources, the right um, uh, career um, satisfaction and success that you're looking for. So it's not to simplify it too much, but. No, it's, I think that the, the simplicity is always that, you know, the more that you can make it simple, the, 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 better, yeah. the better it is. Yeah. So what it sounds like is that ultimately this, a person really needs to nurture trust and, and faith, I guess you can say, trust in themselves and faith in the process in order for them to really start, again, this idea of optimal joy or moving downstream in their life and not necessarily feeling like, I don't know, you're stuck working, even if it's your company, the company, like you don't, you don't like it anymore. You want to just get rid of it. Or, you know, um, the life that you have is just like not serving you anymore, but you're like kind of there because you feel like guilt for, for leaving, I guess you can say, but like, how does a person or what were some of your your biggest takeaways is you tried to nurture this sense of faith and really like kind of staying in your own lane and just sort of figuring that whatever came out of it would be good for you because it was yours. I think the biggest one is understanding that beliefs are just patterns of thought that you think over and over. And uh, I think it was Henry Ford that said something along the lines of, if you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. You will. So, you know, um, it's a lot of it is up here and, you know, there's scientific evidence of that, that quite literally, you know, as we think a thought, the neural pathways create strength with building sheaths over them. And so neuro-linguistic therapy is one way that you can remap the thoughts in your brain to healthier thoughts. I actually, I talk about it a lot in here, rewiring your brain, because in my mind, it's, it's truly one of the most powerful things you can do. If you see a thought coming in that is working against you and it's, it's causing you head trash, the first thing you got to do is recognize it, say, I see you, and then turn it around, turn it into something that is going to be useful. And it's not easy to do. And a lot of us are just lazy thinkers. Like it's just easier to just, all right, well, that's what I know. So that's what I'm going with. And it's, um, you know, again, it's a basis for a lot of the systemic problems we see today, not to get too down the rabbit hole, no, but- go, go, what do you mean? Tell me more about that. Well, I think, you know, um, every has, everybody has a basis of what they believe. And so if you're not in alignment with what someone else believes, then, then there's, um, there's a contra to that. And, and so it puts us at odds with each other. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you say, you know what, you believe what you believe and that's cool and I'm going to do me and, you know, we'll just appreciate each other from where we stand. There's two ends of the stick. And in that contrast, there's something to celebrate there. There's something to honor and respect in each other. And instead we make the other person wrong, right? Because it, we want to be right. So it's, it's easier for us to, again, 
blame other people because we keep thinking a pattern of thought. So we believe it so strongly that it's too painful for us to think that there could be another way. And again, some of that's DNA. Some of it's how we were raised. Some of it is evolving and changing and we're becoming more aware in many, many ways. I mean, you can see systemically what's going on in the country. Um, and you know, there's, there's an evolutionary process. It's, I, we teach this actually with the, the I'm, I'm now a business coach and, and I teach exactly what I learned in my business, this, this, um, this execution model. And we talk about hitting the ceiling because you hit the ceiling all the time in your business, but we human beings hit the ceiling all the time in life. And it's kind of like the same thing. You're hitting a rock as you're guiding down the stream and you can either let that take you down. I call it the, the emotional spiral um, because it sucks you in. It's like, it wants to feed on that drama and the parasite in your brain wants to, the lizard brain wants to take over. And we start then thinking all these negative patterns of thought that suck us in even further. And it's literally the downward spiral. And so you can either find a way to hijack that. That's the rewiring of the brain. Or you can just let it suck you in and suck in everything around you. And that's going to be a direct correlation to what you see coming in your life. So it is a choice. Back to your point. It is a choice. But most of us are lazy. We're lazy thinkers. We allow the lizard brain to take over. We're not in command. We don't create intentions. We don't have trust and faith, to your point. So... Truly, that's, um, in my mind, a, a huge reason for why I became a growth junkie. I didn't want to be that person. You know, one of the things that perhaps we could examine, and maybe you can tell me a little bit about how you navigate this piece. When a person does take responsibility over their life, you kind of retroactively start to get that, that gnawing sense and sensation that you can't blame other people for your problems. You can't blame other situations. The, the, again, you know, it's like, I don't know. I, I know, I know based on what the, the news is saying that, you know, COVID hit, a, it was horrific for people in terms of like their businesses. A lot of the people I worked with have made more money than they've ever made in their life. And totally. like, it's, it's insane. And so it's, it's, it's really, it's interesting because when a person starts to think I could create the outcome that I want. It brings up two things. First of all, do I deserve that, right? Going down to some of that really deep stuff. And right. secondly, it's like, can I, I this has only come up, I, I, I work with some people that have been in um, unsatisfying marriages for, for quite a while. And when you re realize that like, you might've been the problem, then you look back at the 20 years or 30 years and you're like, I can't, I can't, it's like almost overbearing. So how do you navigate that freedom that you have with Ooh. the tremendous weight of responsibility, so to speak, that comes from us saying like, look, if you're not happy with what you look like, you're choosing that. If you're not happy with where your business is, you're choosing that. And that's serving you. Like, how do you deal with that? Um, well, I mean, again, it, it comes to accountability. I mean, like, I don't want to beat the dead horse on that. So I'll move on from it. But the point that I want to make is really once you have that awakening and you're starting to take responsibility, accountability, it, there is a point where it's painful and difficult because again, that awakening is happening and you're, you're realizing your part in it. The first step is the hardest, the hardest and the most profound forgiveness. 
What do you mean? And self-forgiveness. You have to start with self-forgiveness. And we're harder at forgiving ourselves than we even are at forgiving other people. And I'll tell you, it's, it's an easy choice to make and it's a light switch. Literally, you can flip that switch and in a moment, it will feel lighter. I've, I've had this happen in my life before where um, I made the choice to forgive something that was monumental. And in that moment, the lightness that I felt was transcending. Um, it was truly something that- um, Something that someone did to you? Something that you experienced yourself? I'm really fighting the, uh, the drive not to ask you specifics. Yeah, it's, me maybe it's like tough. Out, out, outline like was it, it was like a, a limiting thing that you had in your own life or something that you had done wrong or what, what, was, what was the category of challenge that you were able to forgive yourself for? So it, it's hard to not be specific. It's, you know, it's regarding my parents. Okay. And some challenges there. Okay. And, um, you know, I think there was, there was never going to be a chance to have a conversation about it. Okay. And yet I also needed to be able to move on and to have my mom say, look, you don't need to fight this battle on my behalf. You know, please release this. This is not your burden to bear um, was a pretty beautiful thing. And it, it did allow me in that moment to make the choice that, you know what, I do want to have a relationship with my, my stepdad who raised me. I, I love him and I, I adore him. And I, I honor the fact that, you know, he, he cared for me and loved me and, and, you know, still does. And so in that moment of forgiveness, again, it, it was such a release for me. I mean, no one else was carrying that around. Let's be honest. That was all on me, right? So, you know, not to use such a heavy example, but th there's little things, you know, that come along in life where, you know, if, if you can make these adjustments along the way, when you do hit the ceiling that I was referring to, it will take you down less and less. It will create a muscle of resiliency. And that's what I see in this pandemic. Those that have built the muscle of resiliency are faring far better on this spectrum than those who haven't. And so, you know, in my mind, this is worthy work that I'm talking about doing. Because I, I, you I, will be so much more in touch with your own joy and you'll also be able to move through life with so much more peace. I think and that, I'm not that, saying that I have it all figured out. I mean, I'm, I'm, forevermore on the, this growth journey and you never arrive. So I think it's safe to say, just to summarize what, I've, what, I've, I, what I think you're saying is that oftentimes if you find yourself weighed down by these big things, um, oftentimes it's like you don't have to carry the weight that's so heavy. Maybe you start to ask yourself, do I need to carry this weight? Am I carrying someone else's burden? Am I carrying someone else's baggage? Am I carrying you know, something that can't be resolved and that's why it's so heavy? It's like you're trying to literally like push a car over and it's like maybe you just stop trying right. to push the car over. Maybe except right. that the car will move or it won't, but maybe you can walk around it. I kind of think that life would be a lot easier for all of us human beings if we were just like, you do you, I'll do me. And, you know, I will meet you in the middle and appreciate you for the gifts that you can give. And, you know, hopefully you can honor where I'm coming from and the gifts that I can share. And life would be a lot more peaceful. So, you know, and not to oversimplify it yet again. I, I saw that in my own life as I became kind of more clear on some of my own religious convictions in the sense that it was always so easy to like make fun of everyone else when you didn't know what you stood for. And the more that you sort of like clicked in with your own resonance, that yes. the more that you were just totally, you get it, like this works for me. And I appreciate that you're having a wonderful experience that makes no sense to me, but I'm really happy it's working for you.
Yeah, I think, you know, when you get really crystal clear on, uh, I mentioned this before, but who you are and what you stand for. So for me, it's like I have five tenets and that's my basis of how I live my life and my decision making. It's, you know, my health and vitality. It's um, spirituality and and my sense of peace. It's, you know, my uh, hedonistic sense of adventure. Like I have to go see do all the time. Like I, I love exploring it's, you know, feeling fulfillment in um, pursuit of um, purpose. And that, that avenue of purpose is career-based and it's, it's in my, um, you know, my volunteer work and my nonprofit work. Uh, and then it's, you know, the, the final one is, is truly the, the people I love, surrounding myself with people that I love. And those five things bring me the, the you know, on my happiness meter, tens daily. And so it's a great way of filtering. And if you can kind of get that back to where we even started from the conversation, you know, in, in my mind, things, again, you get in the flow of life, things get easier. You have a basis for how you filter your relationships, who you want to hang out with, who you don't. And, um, you know, it's, it's like the clearinghouse, if you will, for um, the BS meter. So once you know what you stand for, um, you'll, I'll see, I'll see it a lot. Like, you know, people are like, is this good? Is this bad? Usually what that indicates is they don't have clarity on what really matters for them. And the more that they get clarity on what matters for them, like you said, it's almost self-selecting. You're like, yes, you are not a good fit for me anymore versus you're a, there's a complete resonance on what we're trying to build. And I think, you know, again, energetically speaking, you know, the clearer you are, the less likely you, you are to attract that into your life. And also the more likely you are that those things that as you become more clear will just naturally flow away. You won't have to have abrasive, tough conversations and things like that. I mean, I found that in, in running a business, um, you know, as I got clear about who we are as a team and who, what we wanted to be to ourselves and to our clients, it naturally repelled people that didn't fit to that. It was a, a natural way of filtering. And the ones that, that weren't comfortable left. I mean, I didn't have to fire them. Like, you know, it just naturally, it just sort of evolved. And, um, you know, and again, it, it feels like you're not trying to paddle upstream that way. So I just look for these little trips, tricks and, and cues that can help just make things easier. Well, I think the cue, the cue that if you're paddling upstream, something's probably wrong is itself such a phenomenal piece, which a person says yeah. like, I'm experiencing stress. I'm frustrated. It's like, cool. Like, look at that, figure it out that it's an indication that something's not firing the way it's supposed yes. to. Yeah. Maybe when you feel resistance, when you're, uh, when your happiness meter is low or you're downward spiraling, you know, that's an indication that you are out of alignment, very mm. clearly out of alignment. And so it's, that is your cue, your emotional GPS, your, your guidance system to be able to bring you back and help you get centered on, okay, this is an indicator that something's off. What do I need to look at here? And usually it's something that's here, you know, first, you've got to look here first. And I think we humans want to go here and blame and, you know, try to sort through it that way. And um, that's, that's usually going to take a longer, bumpier journey. I, I'm curious from your perspective, life perspective, business perspective, in, in a lot of ways, again, the message that you're saying is, is, is phenomenal. It is, I feel like 
the world we live in nowadays, because there's just so much on one hand, just like pressure and that, you know, media invades so much of our life and social media invades so much of our life. And we never really see most of what normal people are doing because everything that we're interacting with on a, on a, on a, on a daily basis is very like superficial. You don't, right. It's complete. It's completely filtered. It's filtered from an algorithm standpoint. It's filtered because everyone else is filtering. Um, there's, you know, so it's very hard to sort of rip open the guts and sort of see, see the process on a, on a macro level. Is it, is it significantly harder now than it's been in other times in your life and your career as we navigate presidential elections and COVID and, you know, racial injustice and- Right, there's so much going on. I mean, when I think about, you know, the 2020 bingo card, man, I mean, you can just basically, we got pandemic, we got riots, we've got social injustice, we've got elections, we've got, um, all, all, it's like, you know, like everything was just like- events. Yes. I mean, unfathomable what keeps coming, right? And yet I think the ones that are staying grounded are the ones that are, um, it's not that you're, you're, you're not engaged in, in those conversations because those are truly good conversations. Climate change, um, you know, um, diversity, equity, inclusion, those are worthy conversations. The point is have them in a positive way. The, the media used to literally state the news now what they do is they tell you what you should think about the news. I don't pay attention to that noise. If, if the conversations that, that I'm hearing turn negative and um, start to be um, disallowing of inclusion, I don't engage. I turn it off. I, I filter it out. It, if you are willing to t- turn something, again, be mindful, and turn it to something that stimulates positive energy, positive momentum, then it is a worthy engagement, a worthy conversation. Instead, we seem to want to feed off the drama and negativity. And so I just don't, I don't engage. I just don't go there. I think that that, that piece, just if I could summarize what I, what I, what I think I'm hearing you say, and, and please, please tell me if this is, is accurate, is that you have to start I, one of the things that just comes up is like, you know, you're like, I didn't want to get in a fight. And you're like, I got in a fight with that person again. And so what you're saying is, as Stephen Covey says, you know, you need to begin with the end in mind. If the end, if the end goal is I want to live in harmony. I want the people I work with to see me as a, as a net positive to the team. I want my yeah. spouse not to hate me. I want my kids to look up to me. So then you have to sort of rework what are the pieces and processes that are going to lead you there as opposed yeah. to, I guess, proactive, uh, not proactively, but just kind of like, yeah, you know, like you said, just sort of like, yeah, like let's talk about this very difficult divisive situation when everyone's already stressed out and worried about other things and let's just see how it goes. And it's like, surprise, that didn't work well. Yes. I mean, great, great summary, you know? Okay. I mean, not to, again, to, not to oversimplify it, but you know, this, this doesn't have to be such a um, toxic thing. Um, you know, if you, if, again, if you start with yourself, um, because really that's all you can control. You know, really, this is about your your sense of community and how you can influence for the positive of your community and whatever impacts that you can make, whatever's meaningful for you. If if you do that, and again, you do you, and the next person does them, and they're working from that same sphere of influence and same uh, dynamic of you know positive engagement, 
again, this is going to magnify out and the world is going to receive huge bountiful gifts from that. But we each have to be willing to take that, you know, that accountability. Like, again, it's, a, it's an accountability thing. So all circles back to that. Right. As you, I mean, commercial real estate space startup 2020. Those are like, that's like the, uh, the hedgehog of like an awesome story. Tell me a little bit, you know, one of the things that I, I heard Mark Cuban in an interview saying that, you know, you'll see out of 2008 came, you know, all of the social media, you know, yeah. can go, he says like right now what's being birthed are the next, you know, multi-billion Boy. trillion dollar companies. Um, 100%. As you look at, if, as you look at the world, maybe talk to me a little bit about the mindset or the headspace you're in as you try to rethink or create uh, newness in a very, you know, old industry at a very yes. <laughs> turbulent time. Yes. You know, a um, couple of thoughts on that. Um, I jokingly say I'm enjoying a very um, uh, dynamic career right now because, you know, I'm, I'm uh, engaged with a couple partners in this startup um, that's high risk, potential high reward that is innovative and, um, you know, something new and different. Um, and then I'm also a business coach and that gives me the chance to give back, you know, the fruits of what I've learned and, and help other, you know, leadership teams and entrepreneurs get more of what they want from their business. I'm now a published author and I never, ever would have seen myself writing a book. And, you know, when I combo all that together, um, you know, again, this kind of gets to not just what I stand for and what's important to me, but also what difference can I make? You know, we, as you get further into your career, you think about legacy. What kind of legacy are you leaving? And so, you know, I'm actively involved, uh, involved with a, a nonprofit called um, the Mentoring Club, where it's a global mentoring platform because, you know, there's a, a, a professional I'm working with in the Philippines who, you know, we found that we have so much in common, even from opposite sides of the world. And then I'm involved with rebuilding together because I believe in keeping people safe in their homes, especially during a pandemic. You know, we need to take care of our uh, people in our community and not have them go homeless right now. And, you know, when you, when you come from something like that, um, it, what it means is that you have such sureness that the noise that's out there doesn't have to take you down in the same way. You know, I know from my heart of hearts that, you know, I can make a difference. And in my mind, that's what we're here on this earth for is to serve each other. You know, how can we be here on this planet um, in the sense of, of how we can help each other? And it can be something as small as day by day, you know, making an effort to go out of your way to, to be nice to someone. Or it can be, you know, if you're starting to engage in um, a, a discussion, it might be, all right, you know, let's take five for a second and let's come back to this conversation and see how we can get on the same side of the table. You know, what is it going to take for us to um, not be combative? Yes, there's two ends of the stick and it's contrast and we want to honor that. But what can we do to, to mine for the, the, the similarities that we actually have? Let's start from that basis of conversation, and then we can explore where we need to go from there. You know, again, it kind of comes to this mindset, um, you know, and it's something that you can learn. It's a muscle that you can build. We all have this capacity. We all have this capability, but we have to want it. 
you have to want more for yourself and for others. That's where it has to start. So I hope that actually in a roundabout way answered your question. It definitely did. I, I sort of the, the, last, the last kind of thought to leave with, which I think is the last piece of your book, is, is this concept of servant leadership, which again, mm -hmm. a lot of people think like, oh, you know, I don't want to have an ego and I don't want to say I want to lead. But what I'm hearing you say is that each of these different places where as a business coach, as a business owner, as a published author, these are not ego moves for you. They're things that you need to do that you can then parlay or that, that you need to do in order to be of greater service. If you didn't write the book, you couldn't help anyone. If you didn't have the company, you know what I'm saying? So like, so maybe just speak, speak a little bit about that if you could, about this idea of sort of like being able to take care of yourself. And it's not selfish to say, I want these things because it allows you to impact on a, on a, greater, on a greater scale. Yes, I think starting with leadership, you know, it, people from an ego standpoint want a leadership role. That's really management. I mean, let's be honest. Um, Leadership is a mindset. It's something that anyone in any place or position or community, wherever you are, you can take the mindset of, of caring enough for others to be empowering. And that's what I mean by servant leadership. It's taking a, uh, a care to um, invest in other people. And so, you know, I talk about servant leadership in that way in the book. Um, there's different forms of leadership, sure. sure. I mean, there's autocratic and dictatorial and, you know, whatever. But truly, in my mind, the one that I focus on is servant leadership because I think that's where we can make the most impact. And again, it's a, it's a mindset. Um, so, you know, it's... I, I think really the basis for humanity is that, that ability to connect with selflessness. And the hard part is because of all these external factors going on that we've already named from media to, you know, um, being uh, social media, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it can get really hard because there's a lot of noise. And that's why I say that it's so important to come back to who you are and what's important to you and like the five tenets that I talked about and to have a basis of a few things that are, are really your, your core, um, your genetic makeup. So for me, it's, you know, do what you say you're going to do. Um, because again, what that will do is it will allow you to then um, do things from a selfless place that transcend um, how you are perceived. And I guess what I mean by that is it matters less. It matters less, which is peace and harmony and clarity there. You know, when you're looking externally for how people see you, you're going to be chasing something that's unobtainium. And so if you can find that peace inwardly first, then the things that happen, um, like uh, owning a business or being able to write a book or uh, being a business coach, you know, this, this multifaceted career that I'm enjoying, you know, comes from a different place of, of self-assuredness and, and truly um, care. It's coming from a place of love not from a place of needing somebody to feed my ego. Whereas in my twenties, you know, I was striving for a, you know, a leadership role because I thought that was what you're supposed to do. And it was very ego-based and I needed to be liked. And that was how I was gonna know if I was ratcheting my career up. And so through the growth work that I've done, and I, 
I do have to pimp my book for a second because there's a toolkit that's free at the end of it. You can get the link for the free toolkit and it's 20 years of research in a very simplified spot that can give someone on their growth path a very quick and easy way to um, synthesize where to go and how to find information. Because let's face it, when you Google growth, there's, there's a billion hits. When you uh, Google, you know, where to start learning about things, it can be very overwhelming. And so this, this book is really meant for two audiences. One is kind of the young leaders that are getting on their growth track and they're not really sure where to go and how to get started. Um, it's a lot of bullet points, so you can read this book in probably 30 minutes. And then the second is for those of us that go through career burnout and you need to get reinvigorated and you need something that's going to get you fired up really quickly, simply and easily. And so I really try to synthesize things down and make them very simple um, and give you just a starting point, like give you a catalyst. Um, I can't get through those big, long, grueling self-help books that want to go down big, long rabbit holes. I just can't. Um, and maybe that's the driverness in me going back to social styles. But for, for what really your you know, viewers could get from this call, that free toolkit is gold. I can't say enough good things about that. And it's not because I put it together. It's because this source material, there's really great source material out there. And this synthesizes it into a couple of really great nuggets. So I hope that helps. Emily, the book is called Growth Junkies Unite. How can the viewers find out more about you, get the book, get in touch with you? It's so easy. GrowthJunkiesUnite.com. That's it. Um, and then I'm all over things. So I'm in um, LinkedIn and on social media because, you know, that's part of the, the branding that goes along with uh, being a business coach and owning your own business. And then on top of that, you know, trying to get a book launched out there. So yeah, it's, uh, it's actually been a fun and wild ride with, um, with kind of all these different aspects going on. And to me, that's, that's what life's about. Um, it should be that kind of invigorating growth journey. So that's why I call myself a junkie. Outstanding. Emily, thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. There you have it, folks. Another inspiring episode. If you enjoyed this, I ask you to please share this with your friends and to like us over on Rabbi Rupp through Facebook or on YouTube. And the more that we're able to get these important messages out, the more that we can really make an impact in the world. So I encourage you, please, to stay tuned. Uh, we have a ton of amazing speakers coming up and also to tell your friends about it. Thank you very much.